0: Hey, I am starting a series today uh, around a topic that is really, really big for me. I Uh, If I were to tell you what I feel like my calling is, is uh, at some level to to encourage or empower people to live their calling. To courageously embrace what God's given them to do. And uh, if you sit with me for coffee, hopefully that's the feeling you get. You sit with me at lunchtime, hopefully the feeling you get is that um, I believe in what God's put in you. And I hope the feeling you get is a little bit of uncomfortability because I'm pushing you to be more of who God's called you to be. And I hope that's what we do as a people. I hope that's as a church. We are those kind of people, that we believe enough in somebody to speak it into their life. And, um, and and if I'm not that, if we had coffee and you didn't feel that way, please let me know. I may have just had an off day. You know, that happens. Um, But I am excited about this and it's actually a little bit intimidating because I know that um, over the next few weeks I'm going to be sharing some things that are from my heart and and really sharing some things that over the last 20 years have really become uh, crystal clear for me in so many ways but also there are some things that are still being shaped and formed and I have way too many things to say. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I, I'm not usually a notes preacher. I'm not usually someone who, um, who writes everything down. That's not really my MO. Some of you guys see me, never look at my notes, and sometimes that's because I don't actually have any. And um, sometimes I'm better when I don't have any. Uh, but I am a creative after all. Limits aren't always what I like, but I do need them. And I, so I, I, this is a, a stretch for me because even today, uh, I've got a lot that I want to lay a foundation with because I, I think the word calling and purpose is, is one of these these ideas and thoughts that is is, is big and, and yet I, at the same time I think it's becomes, so so overcomplicated, We have made it so difficult for people to just simply pursue their calling and, and part of that is because we start four steps in and so what I wanted to do is take some time and, and, and start at step one that I believe is step one of you living out your calling. It's, it is a big topic, you know. Some of you guys know about my shower renovation. You know, we, we talked about this. The things that continually happen usually cause something to suddenly happen, right? Um, and we had our shower had con- been continually running. We were trying to help our little boy and getting some fog in the room and stuff, and and uh, and then it suddenly started leaking, and so that was not good. When you started to see your shower in your bedroom, and that's not a good thing, and and so we had to get it renovated and 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 redone, and and a whole new shower put in. And what's exciting about that is like, uh, you know, you could see what this. Will look like you pick out the tile and the grout and all the stuff and the shower head, and you're really excited about what it can be. But, but remember, I, I want you to be okay with this because I think so many times we get out of sorts on this, and you'll learn this in school leadership if you sign up, which I would highly encourage you to do. Um, vision is a big part of what we talk about, but it is not just vision that comes from you, it's vision that's based on your pursuit of who Jesus is, and there's something really cool about that. And as Will said last week, it really eight weeks wasn't enough to develop it fully, and so it really sets you on a path. Towards other things, and so we don't want to create just leaders who are good leaders in church. We want to create leaders who are leaders in culture and in their city. Amen. And uh, we don't want you. The highest calling you ever have is to volunteer in church. Okay. Some t- some of you, your calling does reside in this place, but for some of you, this is serving, and it is serving. And sometimes we have, we have not allowed community to be something that where we serve one another. And so for some of you, your calling is beyond this place, but you're going to serve in this place. Amen. Does that make sense? And it's in serving that we are shaped, right? And so there's, there's something about that. But we, uh, the, the, I want you to hear this, and that is that frustration should be the fuel for your future. In other words, so many times we get frustrated with something and we're frustrated that we're frustrated. And then we just get more frustrated about what we're frustrated about. But is it possible that what you're frustrated about is is the seed of something that you can have a solution for? I found that many of the people that have had this life-changing or world-changing vision that has changed the world didn't start with good thoughts. It started with bad thoughts. And I don't mean like it was negative. I just mean that they were like, why is that happening why do I have to go to a hotel? Why can't I use my buddy's house down the street, which is awesome? You know what? Let's create something called Airbnb. It started out of a frustration or a want. Vision is a preferred future, meaning the, the present you have is not what you want. You want something preferential to what is current. So you have a preferred future. That's what vision is. That's why vision casters always give you a preferred future. It solves the current problem. And so our shower thing was a, it wasn't, it was an issue, but it turned into a vision. It turned into us going, well, here's what we can do. Here's what it can look like, and uh, and it was supposed to be simple. I remember talking to Shane. Shane did a great job, by the way, but I was talking to Shane, and I remember him. Like, coming in and looking at it and going, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's just a, a leak in the shower pan. Hopefully, we'll just be able to do this part and this thing, and it'll be good, and no big deal. And, and I remember him coming in, and Bradley came over, and Shane came over, and we just demoed the thing, and it started pulling tile off the wall, and that part was pretty easy, pretty good, and and uh, I, that, was, that was nice. And um, we started getting into it more and more and started to realize that, and, and ha- anyone else else done like a DIY renovation to your house, to your home, like to to showers, to, I know some of you are in the middle of a very big renovation living in the, you know, backyard, but I, I, like I, 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 if you've ever done that, if you've ever been a part of that, as you peel back the layers, you begin to realize there's more work to be done than maybe you thought. You ever started a project like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon thinking this will be a cinch, no big deal, I'll be done in two hours, and at 12 p.m. comes and you're like, oh my goodness, 12 a.m. and you're going, I've been here for 10 hours. Like, what is going on? And it's amazing what happens as you begin the process because the one thing about a frustration that turns into a vision is that it usually brings along with it even more frustration. Right, Because you get frustrated, so you go, we're going to do something about it. And then in doing something about it, you get frustrated in what you have to do. Right? That's why your vision has to be bigger than your frustration. If you don't have a vision that overwhelms your frustration, then you will give up. If I was okay with walking to the other side of the house to take a shower, I would have given up. If I was okay... Having wasted space in my restroom with walls torn out, I would have given up. But because I had a vision and because Shane had a vision, because Meredith Hello had a vision about what this could look like, we went through with it. I mean, I mean, like, we got to the bottom of it, and this, this drain was, like, rusted together. It had been there for 30 years, and, and it was not what it was supposed to be. A jackhammer was involved. I remember watching Shane, who thought this would be a two-day job on the fourth day, just, like, sawing the heck out of this drain, bending his saw blade so that it would fit, but then it's going different directions than what you expect. I just I felt so bad. Because I wanna wanna put this to you, and this is what I want you to hear today, and this is probably the primary thought, is that sometimes we so obsess over the destination of our lives that we forget that what gets us there is the transformation of our lives. We get so obsessed about where we're going that we don't ever think about who we need to become to get there. There is a space between how the shower will work and how it is currently working. There is a space between the vision for what it should do and the frustration with what it is currently doing. And sometimes we get so obsessed with the vision and we spend all of our time decorating the shower and not enough time beginning to tear away the layers and getting rid of the things that are already currently in the way now. And so we don't do the transformation that is required for us to get to the destination, and we mess up, trip up, and we get frustrated with what's going on. And so we we have to allow the frustration of our lives to turn into a vision that drives us, that fuels us to get to where we are meant to go. And we talked about, just over the last several weeks, um, spirit and shape. We started our Holy Spirit series in Genesis chapter two. We talked about God who shaped Adam and then breathed the breath of life into Adam. That the breath, the same word for spirit, that God shaped him and then breathed the spirit into him. And and so we talked for the last several weeks about the spirit of life that should reside in us. But I do want us to shift over the next few weeks to the shape of our life because I don't think in our our majoring on the spirit and the breath that we talked about the last few weeks, what we can can tend to do is begin to think that the shape doesn't matter, and that wasn't really the goal. The goal was to say the shape was important, but the spirit of life, the spirit was what actually animated the shape, and so we want the spirit of God working in our lives, but what do we do with the shape, right? What do we do with the shape of our lives? Because let's be real, I want you to hear this, you do have a shape, There is a shape to your personality. There is a shape to who you are. There is a shape to what you love to do. There is a shape to what you enjoy. There are things that you enjoy that I will never enjoy. And maybe, just maybe, there's a hint in there for what you should be pursuing. Now, I I don't want you to get this limited thought of calling over these next few weeks. I hope it expands, and I hope there's some freedom. Because, like I've said in Ephesians 2.10, it is not a singular word. It is a plural word that works. You will do good works. So I'm hoping that over the next few weeks you don't start to get like putting pressure on yourself to figure some things out. But but I do want you to understand that there is a shape to your life. And even, even Paul talks about this, right? He He, he talks about this idea that that you are a finger, or you are a hand, or you are an elbow, or you are a knee, or you are a foot, or you are an organ. He talks about all these things that you are. We all have a different shape, and it's important that we embrace that shape, that we don't diminish that shape, that we don't value other shapes above our shape, because what God needs us to do is get all those shapes together. Just like the brick by brick, he wants to build a place that is the dwelling place of the Lord. When we come together in our shape, when we realize what our shape is, then we can really begin to bring heaven to earth. So we've got his spirit in our shape. Now what? And I think that's the question of our life. I think it's the thing that we deal with on a regular basis. We we question this probably, uh, well, I don't know. Some of us are in different places in life and and I get it, but but there's a reason that purpose-driven life became the second best-selling book of all time behind the Bible. It's because we all want to know why we're here. Why am I on this planet, walking this ground at this moment. Why am I here? And, and I actually think that the deeper question and the question we're actually asking when we say why am I here is who am I? I think the deeper question that actually is more important is who am I because it will fuel why I am here. And and, and it is not to say that one is better questioned than the other. It is simply to say that those are meant to be together, working together, that I would know who I am so that I can know why I am so that I can get on with what I should be doing. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about over the next several weeks. And so for the sake of clarity and simplicity, we will just use the word calling And I've been trying to think about how I'm going to say this series called called. Um, But I think I can just say series called. That we're in a series called. I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. Maybe a series titled called. Maybe just so I'm not doubling up. Um, But it is important. And it is something that's really important for me. It's something that I think matters. And and so we're going to talk about this word calling. And And I think we all get it. I think we all have... This feeling that there's something more in us. We, we, we all have this feeling that, that we're made for more. That there's something on the inside of us yearning to get out. I, I think it's the kingdom of heaven trying to invade earth. That's what I think it is. But there is, a, there is something on us. And it is, is it, it is interesting that we are the only species on the planet that debates what we should do with our life. There's very few other species that actually get up in the morning and go, hmm, should I be human today? Should I live with generosity and grace? Should I, there, there, there's, a, there's something in us that wants to know why we should do what we do, what we should do. That there's something that beats in our hearts that we're supposed to be doing something, going somewhere, or becoming somebody. Something deep, deep, deep on the inside. Now, I, I also think that there's something in the earth that makes us want for more. I don't think it is just on the inside of us. I think it is actually outside of us as too. I think we look at what is going on around us and think there is more. And I think those two things converge. Where you believe out there there's more probably matches up with where you believe something in here is more. And those, as those begin to come together, you begin to discover who you are. Oz Guinness, and, and you're going to hear this name, Oz, Oz, Oz Guinness. That's a great name, honestly. I think it, I thought it was a beer at first, I thought I was quoting it wrong. But Oz Guinness, and I've got the first quote. I told you I got a bunch of quotes today because there's, and I'm gonna just, I'm gonna tell you the books at some point. This one is called from just a book called The Call. It's that simple. It's that easy. Oz Guinness. Three factors. This is a long one. Three factors have converged to fuel a search for significance without precedent in human history. First, the search for the purpose of life is one of the deepest issues of our experiences as human beings. Second, the expectation that we can all live purposeful lives has been given a gigantic boost by modern society's offer of maximum opportunity for choice and change in all that we do. Third, fulfillment of the search for purpose is thwarted by a stunning fact. Out of more than a score of great civilizations in human history, modern Western civilization is the very first to have no agreed-on answer to the question of the purpose of life. Thus, more ignorance, confusion, and longing surround this topic now than at almost any time in history. Get this part. I love this part. The trouble is that as modern people, we have too much to live with and too little to live for. We have too much to live with and too little to live for. We have all kinds of options with very little purpose. Some feel they have time but not enough money. Others feel they have money but not enough time. But for most of us, in the midst of material plenty, we have spiritual poverty. Anyone relate to that? I mean, like, this isn't just for young people coming out of college trying to figure out what to do with their lives. This is, this is, all of us can relate to this idea that we have all these options and all this stuff and all these things we could do and all these. And not sure what we should give our life to. We, we, we struggle with this idea. So I wanted today, real quickly, I think, I think that first part was only supposed to take three minutes, so we're already a little bit behind. But I want to read through a few verses that, that have really shaped my view of calling. And really, every time we talk about calling, or every time we talk about purpose, I come back to these verses. I think they're important. And I think they matter. And I think ultimately, they should give you a bigger view of what it looks like to live a life that is called and I think it is a foundation for the next several weeks I hope you bring some friends over the next few weeks I think it's going to bring clarity and freedom and hope and joy as they begin to pursue their calling in life and begin to realize they are called it's one man that's a revelation in and of itself that you are actually called we'll talk about that later all right Matthew 4 I didn't tell you to turn here so I'll just read it if you get there before I'm done good on you Matthew 4 verse 18 through 20 it says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw, his t- saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, everybody say them, Jesus called out to them, come follow me, everybody say follow, follow. and I will show you, everybody say show you, how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Okay, so that's towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now let's go to the end, Matthew chapter 28. Just before we read what we read in Acts over the couple, last couple weeks, Matthew 28, Jesus came, verse 18. I, this is kind of funny, Matthew 4, 18 through 20, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I don't know about the symmetry, but it's pretty cool. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore Go. So, in verse 19 of chapter 4, he's saying follow. And in verse 19 of Matthew 28, he's saying go. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, I don't, let's just. Matthew 28, he's saying go. Matthew 4, he's saying follow. Many of us want it to look like this Matthew 4, he says follow. Matthew 5, he says go. That's what we want in life. But what we are becoming and who we currently are there is a space between and sometimes it's more chapters than we thought it should be sometimes it takes a few more pins to the page letters to the than it than we wanted it to take He didn't say go until 24 chapters later, years later. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here we have Jesus. He's just come out of time of prayer and fasting. He's 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 uh, he's probably pretty fired up, pretty pumped up. He uh, d- there's some calling and identity there. There's there's uh, there's some moments of of pushing back against the devil. The devil's trying to tempt him to compromise his calling, to compromise what he's about to do. The devil tries to creep in just before you're about to step into a new thing and begins to say, "But what if you just did this? Or what if you just did that? Or what if you just gave up on this? Or what if you just quit on this? Or what if you just..." And he always creeps in. I'm telling you, if you're feeling the most pressure or the most difficulty or the most challenge, there might be. And I'm not one to say that every challenge is always because God's about to. I'm just, I'm just telling you, sometimes, sometimes the tension is because the enemy is, enemy is trying to get you to compromise on your calling that is right around the corner. Yeah. Sometimes that's what happens. So the mean just did this to Jesus, and Jesus won. Jesus walked out of the desert going, what's up? And he walks along the beach, and he sees these two brothers. Who fished for a living. It says they're throwing their nets in the water because they fished for a living. That's what you do. If you fish for a living, you throw nets in the water. Right? If you're a stay-at-home mom, you change diapers. If you're an accountant, you look at spreadsheets. If you're a barista, you make coffee. If you are a coach, you coach players. If you're a teacher, you teach school. You you are what you Do. How many How many of us have found friends, or even in our own lives, have limited who we are to the career that we're currently in? I, 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 maybe it goes like this. Have you ever, let me flip the question, have you ever felt limited by your current career? Have you ever felt limited by your job? Now, Now, hear me, I'm not about to tell you that you should put in your two weeks notice tomorrow because what I want you to understand, what I really, really, really want you to understand is that maybe, just maybe, the issue isn't the career. The issue is the life you're bringing to it. So many times we think our life is limited by career when really what we need to do is unlimit our life so our career doesn't get to hold its sway on who we are. Sometimes your calling will not be a career. Sometimes you will not get paid for the calling you have on your life. It, might, it means you might still work at McDonald's and pr- fulfill the very thing God gave you to do. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? An idea that somehow you could do something outside of the career. And we have so many people who have limited their life to the calling or the career, sorry, to the career that they have. We are getting our value and our identity from what we do for a living, from throwing nets. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is what I do. No wonder we change jobs so often because we're trying to find identity in what we do. But what if we are meant to bring identity to what we do? What if we are meant to be citizens of heaven wherever we are on the earth? doesn't mean you can't change jobs. There's wisdom there. There's discernment there. I understand all of that. Sometimes it really is unhealthy. But I am trying to tell you that we, we can be people who base all of our meaning and all of our purpose on the career that we currently have. I have a quote from Karen Yates out of Relevant Magazine, article in Relevant Magazine, which I thought was great. The problem I see with that overused, overemphasized, overpreached word, calling, I'm going to preach it for the next five weeks, is that many of us have limited the definition of calling to a profession, a career, or a role, In this view, calling is about what we do, not about who we are. Calling becomes about assignment. My calling to be a mother or a psychologist or a missionary or a teacher. My calling to go into ministry or go on the mission field. And then when our children walk out the door, when we lose our jobs, when our spouses suddenly die, when the funding doesn't come in, when we become desensitized with our workplace, or when we simply grow old and hunched over, what then? Where is our calling? If we have limited our purpose and our calling to our career, then when our career changes or our role changes or the place we are in life changes, we become people swaying back and forth with wind because we haven't gotten our identity from Jesus, we've gotten our identity from what we do. But our identity is wrapped up in Jesus, the anchor for our souls, the hope, the confident expectation that we are being shaped every day into the image of Christ. It's no wonder we hate work sometimes. When our career doesn't have purpose, our life doesn't have purpose. But what if our life has purpose? So our career has purpose. And it says this, and there's no chance I'm going to finish this. Quickly, But I like music behind me anyway, so it's good. But it does slow me down, so. And it then says this. He says, he comes along these guys, and it says, he called them. Now, I think we run past this word way too quickly. We go way past it. We go go past it, and we jump into, follow me, and I will make you. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We run to that part, but we forget that he called them. He didn't call. He didn't call Simon. He didn't call Andrew, he called them. And he goes down the road a little bit more and he called two more. It's interesting, he doesn't send you out one on one, one to one, he sends you out two by two, and he does the same thing when he calls you. He calls you with somebody. He calls you into community. I, I, I think there's an order to pursuing and fulfilling your calling, and I say it this way, I say Christ community calling. It is our revelation of Jesus and our willingness to engage in community that really begins to shape and and propel and give purpose to our calling. I see far too many believers find Jesus and then go running after their calling without ever working out their character in community, without ever working out strength in community, without figuring out that people love you for who you are, not for what you do in community. Some of us pursue calling because that's going to validate us. No. You love Jesus. He loves you. We're a happy family. This is your identity. And then you live out your calling from that place of security. And so he yells out to them. Man, we we get it all messed up when we think he just calls Brandon. And he just calls Meredith. No, he called them. When he just called Joe and he just called Steve, no, he called them. When he just called North Fort Worth and he just called South, no, he called them. When he just called Magnolia and he just called Western, no, he called them. He called all of us and said, Hey, I'm going to make you all. Community is where you develop into character. Erwin McManus says this: You cannot be made, I told you I got quotes. You cannot be made better than you are if you choose to live your life with those who would settle for less. Lean into those who refuse to leave you the same. Stay close to those who see you as more than you are in this present moment. Never forget that the rebuke of a friend, oh my goodness, if we could get this, if young people could hear this, Never forget that the rebuke of a friend is of greater value than the kiss of an enemy. That's the Bible. See, a friend believes in your future. Don't ever let someone speak to your present unless they believe in your future. If all they can ever remember is your past, then they don't get any any authority in your present. But you must have people who remember and know what your future looks like so they can remind you in the present. So go to a dinner party, right? Connect with next steps. Go to school of leadership. Figure out these places that are going to drive you and challenge you and encourage you. Get friends with vision and faith and dreams. And he says this. He calls out to them and he says what? Follow me. Follow me. This is the calling. This is the first step of our calling. It's the first step of discovering who we are. We have to understand that the greatest call of our life is to follow and watch and see Jesus. It is the greatest call of our life to follow Jesus. It is the number one priority. But it's a big ask, right? Because these men, they're, they're, um, they're, they're fishermen. They throw nets. This is what they do. It's not just what they do. It's their legacy. It's their family. Their dad, if you'll notice later in the story, their dad's actually standing by the boat. And Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. Walk with me. Go with me. This is who they are. This is them. This isn't an easy decision. I mean, in essence, Jesus is saying, follow me, leave you. I wonder how many of us Jesus has said the same thing to, and we've kind of gone, oh, whoa." Wait, I throw nets. What are you talking about leaving? What do you, I throw nets. I'm a fisherman. I don't, that's what I do. This is who I am. No, no, follow me. Leave who you think you are. Follow me. Leave what you think defines you. Follow me and drop the things that you think hold your life together. I know it's what gives you financial security. I know it's what gives you a little bit of identity, but you gotta let it go. C.S. Lewis, here we go, another quote. The more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let him take us over, the more truly ourselves become. The more I resist him and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity and upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. In fact, what I so proudly call myself Becomes merely the meeting place for trains of events which I never started and which I cannot stop. I'm telling you, these next few weeks are going to be really good. This has this been good already? This is good for me. Oz Guinness said it simply there is no calling unless there is a caller. See, God is not just calling you into future. He's calling you out of past. He's not just calling you into a new thing. He's calling you out of an old thing. He's not just calling you out of, uh, he's not just calling you into life. He's calling you out of death. He's got to get you to a place where you begin to think differently. But why would they do that? Why would they drop everything? And it starts with this phrase, I will show you. In some translations, in most translations, it says something more to the effect of, and I will make you into something. Because see, here's the truth. You have to follow so you can be formed. See, the journey of following Jesus is a journey of formation. It is a journey of reshaping and renewing and changing. It is a journey of being shifted and molded and made. Forming always happens in the following. We are shaped by what we focus on. And the issue of our day is focus. I heard someone say that the the beginning of adoration is attention, what you give your attention to. The issue of our day is our ability to focus on the things that matter. And we will be shaped by what we focus on. We will be shaped by what we put our eyes to and our hearts in. Forming always happens in the following. Another translation says it like this. Jesus said, I will transform you. He wants transformation don't, here's, it, again, we get so obsessed with the destination that we don't engage the transformation. And I, I want to just challenge you, do not ask God for a destination if you are not willing to go through a transformation. Do not have someone come look at your beat up, broken down shower and say, I want a new one, if you're not willing to see the old one torn out. We, we can sit here and go, God, give me a future. And he's going, I did. I just need you to be formed for the future. Because the vision I give you is always bigger than your present reality. Your capacity right now is not big enough for the future I'm giving you. I will make you. I will transform you. I will shape you. I will form I will show you how to become fishers of men. You aren't that yet, but I will begin to do it. We must be willing to go through the process of change before we can expect to walk into the promise of calling. If anyone tells you that your future requires nothing of your present, then they are setting a very low bar for you or they hold very little very little belief in you. Your future requires of you to submit and surrender your present. And what did he have to change first? The very thing he changed when he said follow me, he did one thing, he changed their mindset. Romans 12, 1 through 2, and you guys have read it. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Translation, because why not? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. I love that. We do not check our brains at the door. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. Here we go. But be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves. Come on. Sometimes our issue is not whether God believes in us, whether we believe in ourselves. That the will of God is that which is, hear me, good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. It is good and it is acceptable, or in other words, pleasing and perfect. It is good and pleasing and perfect and the issue is not your skill set. It is at the core your mindset. Yeah, I throw nets because I'm a fisherman. Yeah, but I'm going to make you a fisherman that's not limited by what nets you carry. I'm going to make you a fisherman that's not limited by the fact that you have to stand by a boat to be one. I'm going to make you a fisherman that you can do it wherever you go, wherever you are, whenever you are, on every street and in every heart. You can be a fisherman regardless of the career you currently hold. I'm going to change your mindset. That doesn't define you anymore. I'm trying to take you out of the limits and the labels I never gave you. I'm trying to take you out of the place that makes you think that everything around you is what defines who you are. Come and follow me so you can get a new definition of who you are, so you can watch me for a few years, so that you can be formed in the following of Jesus, so that between Matthew 4 and Matthew 28, you can go through a transformation where Jesus says, oh, follow, and then he says, now go and do what I called you to do be okay with the fact that there's a season that might go longer than you think but it's a season of transformation because listen your future is absolutely 100% 100% residing in your present your future is wrapped right now it is in today that's why jesus says don't worry about tomorrow because today tomorrow will take care of itself if today takes care of itself if we will get if we will get focused on what is present then we can begin to work our life into what is future. Your future is not coming to you; you're coming. You're going to it. Far too many, of, uh, it's far too many people in our culture, far too many people in our world, let the future come to them, and they get there and they go, "What is going on?" No, no, no. you get to go to it. Pastor Phil says it like this: Let your future become the architect of your present. Jesus gave them a vision. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And that vision of who they could become allowed them to change what they were doing in their present. See, if God gives you a picture of your future, you change your current moment. Let your future permeate your present reality. And I don't mean that in the sense that you sit in the corner and think nonstop about your future. I simply mean let it activate your present. Let it begin to change who you are on the daily. Let it change what you continually do so that God can suddenly work in your life to get there you must start here don't lie about it don't be dishonest about it don't try to cover up your misgivings don't try to cover up your challenges don't try to, 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 to try to be something else that you are not be authentic, be real, be honest but not because you want to stay there but because you believe if you know where point A is you want better direction to where point B is if you know you just got to follow Jesus. And then they did something that was pretty significant to me. They dropped their nets. Man, we are all about when we get up here on a Sunday morning we go, hey, God's got something for you. And we go, yeah! Oh, man, I'm excited. What is it? Come on, let's go. And he goes, I'm going to make you fishers. I'm, oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. It's going to be so good. Come on. And then he goes, but you gotta walk through some things first. Oh, okay, cool, so like the shower's not gonna be repaired like today once I pick the tile, like it's not already finished. No, so, so like it might take a couple days. Yeah, like if, if you wanna go where I've called you to go, you've gotta go through the transformation I want you to go through because who I'm calling you to become is different than who you currently are and that's not a bad thing, it's just a, that's just a maturation thing. I'm not mad at my six-year-old for being a six-year-old, but I'm going to keep challenging him to become more and more as he grows. I've got a vision of his future, and I hope that he gets a vision for his future, but he understands that he's six. Some of us are in a place where we're mad because we're currently where we are. Well, no, just embrace where you are in light of where you're going and begin to change the daily things, begin to change the daily disciplines to follow Jesus. We have to be willing to drop some nets so in a series on calling where you were probably hoping the very first week we could identify your specific calling and you could get on with it today here's what I'm telling you to do stop worrying about the destination and start embracing the transformation because for some of you the season you're in is not about your destination, it is firmly and completely about the transformation of your life and if you, if you diminish that or despise it then you will not develop it. And when your time comes, you will miss your time. Now don't get me wrong. God can redeem anything and everything and he can make something out of nothing. So please hear me. I'm not trying to tell you you're gonna screw up God's plan. I'm simply trying to tell you if you wanna get there, you better start here. If you wanna go there, you better start here. If you want to get to the destination, you better start with the transformation and it starts with following Jesus. The forming is always in the following. So you're calling what I'm asking you to do today, what I'm telling you to do today, to be transformed. I want you to be called to transformation be called to following Jesus so that he can form you and make you and never ever get beyond that there will be a day where he says to you go but it will be preceded by the days where you said I'll follow and I'm convinced of this if Jesus needed five years he would have taken five If Jesus had needed 10, he would have taken 10. Some of us get here and we go, well, no, it only has to be three. I'm convinced that Jesus would have formed them until they knew it was time for them to go. They weren't perfect. Your calling isn't about your perfection. But he looked at them and said, follow me and I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna transform you. And first things first, I'm gonna transform the way you think. I'm gonna transform your heart. You're going to have a language of faith, not fear. You're going to have a language of prayer, not worry. You're going to have a language of joy, not despair. You're going to have a language of peace, not chaos. You're going to have a language of future, not past. You're going to have a language of I am, not just I do. You are going to be transformed. Are you ready for that? I'm calling you so I can transform you, so that I can send you. About your heads. What I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you.